0: Hi everyone, I'm Carla. And I'm Iman. And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture. In today's episode, we are going to continue our yearly tradition of breaking down some of San Diego Comic Con's biggest trailers and share our hot takes. Our discussion will include underwater Jason Momoa and a really, really creepy Johnny Depp. Oh gosh. Stay with us, you don't want to miss it. Alright, Iman, Comic-Con happened a few weeks ago here in San Diego, and once again, you and I did not attend. No, we didn't. Now, I'm not going to rehash our past podcasts discussing the ways in which our participation in this huge event has dwindled, but interestingly enough, it seems like we weren't the only ones to check out. Indeed.
1: Noticeably absent from Comic-Con this year were HBO and Disney's heavy-hitting IP, like Marvel and Lucasfilm. And I'm thinking with separate events like Con of Thrones and D23, more or less absorbing those fans that crave the intimacy that Comic-Con used to be known for... I think it's safe to say that Comic-Con has started to sag under the weight of its own success.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So yes, this year's Comic-Con may have been kind of Comic-Con light, so to speak, but nevertheless let's look at the positives, because there were still a lot of things to get excited about. First. There was a Breaking Bad 10 year anniversary panel in which Aaron Paul showed off his five month old baby in a yellow hazmat suit. I don't know if you saw that, Iman.
1: Yes, that was very cute. Also, I cannot <laughs> believe it's been 10 years since Breaking Bad.
0: I know. Another highlight was that there was a Good Place panel where Kristen Bell and Ted Danson were the only cast members to say they think they could end up in the Good Place. I guess Cheaty must have some skeletons in his closet. I don't know, <laughs> but in saying that,
1: Ted Danson seems like a pretty precious human being, and so does Kristen Bell, so I fully back that.
0: Yes, there are no surprises there. And then, of course, there were a ton of new trailer releases for us to pick apart.
1: Yes, let's get into it.
0: Okay, so we've done this for the past few years now, but for any listeners who might not be familiar with our Comic-Con episodes, Iman and I pull together a list of some of the major trailers that were released at the convention, then we divide them up amongst ourselves, and then share our hot takes. We won't play the trailers themselves, but we'll share the links to them on our Facebook page so you guys can follow along in case you haven't seen them already. So here's the plan. Iman, we're going to take turns introducing each movie with a brief description, we'll share our hot takes, and then we'll share whether or not we'd see this movie based solely on the trailer. So Iman, do you want to kick things off this year?
1: Yes, of course.
0: Okay, let's go. What was your first movie?
1: All right, diving right in. My first movie was Aquaman.
0: Set to release this
1: winter, Aquaman stars Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry, an air quotes badass fisherman or something. I don't know, to be honest. (laughs) He learns that he is the heir to an underwater kingdom of Atlantis. With villains rising to power, he must step forward to lead his people and to be a hero to the world. That's the plot summary. What's the trailer like? It's two minutes of Jason Momoa narration mixed with a heroic score, CGI underwater fight scenes, and lines like, quote, Where I come from, we call that an ass whooping. Or, <laughs> Redheads, you gotta love them. Or, The ever-original, I am no leader. Oh,
0: man. I mean, I'm not sure whether Jason Momoa deserves the blame or whether it's just bad writing, but this trailer definitely made me wonder whether this is why Khal Drogo, Jason Momoa's character in Game of Thrones, barely spoke. (laughs) I still think it's mostly the bad writing, though.
1: That is a pretty great point, and probably one of the more (laughs) savage takes on this episode. (laughs) But yeah, not to put too fine a point on it, this trailer... I think the best word to describe it was just generic. It felt generic to the point of being boring. And the supposedly funny lines, like ass whoopin' or... I don't know, Jason Momoa doing that, like, hee thing that (laughs) The Rock does really well in in Moana, but just feels weird here. (laughs) All of those, they just were kind of unsurprising, not that funny. And personally, I think Jason Momoa is a pretty charming person in real life, and I was disappointed to see that didn't translate.
0: Hmm.
1: So I'd say probably every year that we've done this trailer roundup, we've had one of these DC duds, and I'm probably going to continue my tradition of saying, will I watch it? No.
0: Yeah. I'm with you there, Iman. I feel like it would take a lot for us to go to the movie theaters to watch something like this. Yeah.
1: Ain't nobody got time for that? I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) pay. Movies are expensive. (laughs) So I'm just going to hope you had better luck with yours. What was your next trailer?
0: My first trailer was for Godzilla, King of the Monsters, which is set to release in summer of next year and is starring Millie Bobby Brown, better known as Eleven from Stranger Things, and Kyle Chandler. The plot summary, per the movie's IMDb page, goes a little like this. Humanity's existence hangs in the balance when the mighty Godzilla collides with Mothra, Rodan, and the three-headed monster King Ghidorah. Okay, so a confession right off the bat. Apart from Godzilla, I do not know who any of these monsters are. Me neither. And that could make this a little problematic, but... I watched the trailer anyway, and as far as the trailer's structure goes, it follows a pretty familiar beat. I mean, we begin with a sense of our planet being in pretty dire straits, and then we are told that our only hope for survival are all these legendary monsters which have been dormant for centuries. That's when the trailer cuts to a bunch of shots of monsters crushing things.
1: As they do. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So here were my hot takes. Number one, everyone is in this movie. In the span of 10 seconds, I kid you not, I saw Millie Bobby Brown, Bradley Whitford, Kyle Chandler, the main guy from Silicon Valley, Sally Hawkins, and the Japanese actor from The Last Samurai.
1: That's impressive. (laughs) Yeah. I watched this trailer too, and the second I saw Thomas Middleditch, who's the comedian from uh, from Silicon Valley, I was immediately transported to the trailers that I saw, I believe it was for Pacific Rim. Yes. And I want to say Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia was in that movie in basically the same frame-for-frame frame trailer scene, <laughs> so...
0: Yeah, it definitely reminded me of Pacific Rim. Yeah,
1: so I'm interested in hearing the rest of your takes.
0: Okay, number two. Claire de Lune plays throughout the background of this trailer, and it serves as a nice contrast to all the action that's being thrown at us. But I've got to say, it's probably the most overused piece in any movie score, but even so... I'll be damned if it doesn't stir my emotions, regardless of what the subject matter is. Yep,
1: be it Twilight or Godzilla, the, the song works. Yeah, has got got bars.
0: <laughs> uh, hot take number three: the trailer is packed with actors saying things you'd most expect to hear from their most iconic characters. So, what do I mean by this? Here are a few examples. In the middle of the trailer, Kyle Chandler yells, you are out of your goddamn mind in a very Coach Taylor-like fashion. And then later, you see the guy who plays Tywin Lannister say, long live the king in his heavy British accent. And then toward the end, of course, you see, Millie Bobby Brown or Eleven sitting on the floor, grabbing her ears and screaming. So (laughs) clearly they are playing to these actors' strengths, but still, it was so on the nose that it kind of threw me off and took me out of the trailer while I was watching it.
1: Seriously, you shouldn't be wondering partway through a trailer which is supposed to be showing the highlights or at least hyping up a movie and wondering, did they just splice together clips from Stranger Things, (laughs) Friday Night Lights, and Game of Thrones? What is that? Exactly.
0: (laughs) And then my, my last hot take is a little bit more overarching. The trailer does this thing that most monster movies do. It teases you with showing glimpses or shadows of the monsters without really showing them, and then it has this big reveal toward the end. It's very predictable, and there was not much payoff. Because like I said, I don't know any of these monsters or the legends behind them. So clearly this trailer wasn't meant for me, because it did nothing for me. So will I see it? No. Probably not.
1: (laughs) Hard pass.
0: (laughs) Iman, hopefully you had more luck with your next trailer. What was it?
1: All righty. Next up, we have Shazam. (laughs) The title (laughs) just makes me laugh, and it is not to be confused with Kazam, starring Shaq. I definitely started this trailer expecting raining hamburgers, (laughs) and found instead, despite what I said in my last trailer summary, a DC movie that I might actually like. Whoa, that's a huge surprise. Yeah, you're telling me. All right, here's (laughs) the plot summary. Billy Batson, a foster kid who works as a radio news reporter, is chosen to be a champion of good by the wizard Shazam. Whenever Billy speaks the wizard's name, he is instantly struck by a magic lightning bolt that transforms him into an adult superhero, empowered with the abilities of six mythical figures. Alright, so that's the plot summary, and as kooky as anything having to do with wizards outside the world of Harry Potter risks sounding, The trailer actually leaned into the humor and seemed, before I get into the details, pretty
0: well cast, didn't it? Yes, definitely. It features Zachary Levi from Chuck as the adult version of Billy, and I have to say, I don't think anyone else could have played the grown-up Shazam guy better than him. He has the nerd credentials, and he definitely has the enthusiasm to play this part.
1: Yeah, Shazam guy. <laughs> yes, it also features, uh, I don't know the actor's name, but he plays Jonah in Andy Mac, the Disney Channel show. He's this... Mm-hmm cute like tween kid and he was giving me serious Peter Parker vibes throughout the entire trailer which I was definitely into. Uh, I just think that's a really fun vibe for a superhero actually being a teen instead of some super like heart-heavy adult so that kind of set the tone in a really good way for me. And I also loved that we got to watch him testing and actually having fun with his new powers and trying to find their limits. We see him fumbling his way through stopping robberies and flossing to a backtrack of Kendrick Lamar. (laughs) Yes. On the whole, it made me pretty excited to see more. I think that, as I said before, in using a teenage story instead of using brooding superheroes, it seems that DC has finally found some levity. Will I watch this movie?
0: Probably. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you, Iman, and I'm gonna take it further and say this is the best trailer on our list. I want this movie to be good because the trailer itself made me laugh a bunch. And yeah, you got me into watching Andy Mac, and I must say, I am a fan of Jonah, <laughs> and I want this kid to be a star.
1: Yes, shouts to having to use Disney apps at work for color inspiration <laughs> for projects and discovering a pretty cool Lizzie McGuire-esque show. Anyway, we're talking about Comic-Con, so let us let me rein in my, my love for this show, <laughs> and let's move on to the final trailer.
0: All right. Our final trailer is for Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Bow, bow, bow. <laughs> this movie is actually set to release in the fall of 2018, so a few weeks from now. Oh, I
1: need to start building my nighttime stamina to try to make it to a midnight screening.
0: <laughs> yes, it's starring Eddie Redmayne, of course, and this time we're joined by Jude Law. So excited! And Johnny Depp is in the cast again, too.
1: Not excited at all. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So, as for the plot summary, this movie is about magizoologist Newt Scamander, played by Eddie Redmayne, who joins forces with a young Albus Dumbledore to prevent the devious Gellert Grindelwald from raising pure-blood wizards to rule over all non-magical beings. As a trailer, it's not too bad. The trailer itself follows a similar structure to the synopsis I just read, but I've got to start out with a brief little explainer because some people might be surprised by the tone of some of our hot takes. Anyone who knows us knows we are big, big Harry Potter fans, so there's always something super exciting about seeing any new Harry Potter content. However... Being that we are such huge fans and hold the original texts as quasi-sacred, we tend to judge it a little more harshly than we would, let's say, a Shazam. (laughs) So I'll just say this. There were many things in the trailer that I got excited about, and then with a lot of other things, I found myself channeling my inner Tim Gunn and thinking, hmm, that worries me. Same. So here are the hot takes. Number one, I am all in on Jude Law playing a young Dumbledore. Yes. I feel like he's going to reignite a playful spark in Dumbledore that Michael Gambon put out. And the fact that part of the movie takes place in the familiar Hogwarts castle makes it all the better. Hot take number two, and Demon, this is more of a question for you. Did we already know that Dumbledore used to teach Defense Against the Dark Arts? I feel like this is new information.
1: I am not yet to Half-Blood Prince in my Harry Potter reread. And I'm ashamed to say I do not remember if the books mention it. But if they had, it probably wasn't super prominent. We do mm-hmm. see him in the Half-Blood Prince movie as a professor Visiting a young Tom Riddle in the orphanage where he grew up, but I don't specifically remember him ever referencing his specific class. So, yes, I'm gonna venture to say this is new or at least new ish, and I'm pretty excited to see it.
0: Yeah, in the trailer, we see him in a classroom with Newt Scamander as one of his students and all the kids are lined up similar to the third Harry Potter movie where Professor Lupin is teaching them the ridiculous spell and how to defeat a Boggart. Can I make
1: one quick comment about something we see in this trailer?
0: (laughs) Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Newt Scamander's greatest fear is an office job.
0: I knew you were gonna say that. That seems so lame especially for someone who ends up going on so many great adventures. Yeah
1: I mean I get what they were trying to go for and this is totally me picking nits but <laughs> seriously he's a zoologist, or he's obsessed with magical creatures and his greatest fear is that. Like it just seems like something that a writer that isn't that familiar with what Boggart's and the actual, like, like,
0: its deepest
1: fear. And it seemed like they just wanted to say, oh, it'd be funny if he's, like, afraid of a
0: desk job. I think that speaks more to what sort of sheltered life is Newt Scamander living that that's his greatest fear? Yeah. And also, I just, it should be, like, mortal
1: terror molly weasley sees her dead children and husband like lupin sees the thing that turns him literally into a different being a werewolf harry mm-hmm. sees fear itself i mean in the movie like ron sees spiders i guess actually i'm gonna dial it back because hermione sees mcgonagall giving her a bad test score so maybe this tracks <laughs> but i don't know
0: yeah, it definitely had me thinking as well. It seemed like it was just played for laughs in the movie and I was like,
1: all right, you're already on the nice movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I and I do think it makes sense for Dumbledore to teach defense against the dark arts because what else would he teach? transfiguration charms?
1: To be honest, I actually never expected him to teach Defense Against the Dark Arts. This is a teacher that consistently refused the Minister of Magic position and didn't trust himself with any sort of power around darker arts
0: Mm -hmm. um,
1: because of Grindelwald and having been lured by power before. So... I don't know. I mean, of course, maybe JK, Maybe this is canon and this is just me having a slightly different read on the character. Maybe this is him trying to make penance for his like crimes of Dumbledore. <laughs> but I don't know. It was interesting. And I think that even if it's just confirming canon that I didn't know, this is offering new and interesting insight into characters that we already knew instead of just presenting completely new ones like movie one so that that aspect of this movie has me very excited
0: oh for sure so the first part of the trailer It seems to mostly take place in Hogwarts. All of that, like I said, was really exciting, really thought-provoking, obviously, because we've already veered off into a long (laughs) tangent about what class Dumbledore taught. Sorry, guys. And then the trailer kind of shifts away from Hogwarts and moves back to the familiar beats of the first Fantastic Beasts movie. And when it does this, I have to say... My interest drops about 60%. And the focus of the trailer seems to shift entirely to Johnny Depp's character, Gellert Grindelwald. We'll get into this later, but I have to say I cannot emphasize enough how out I am on Johnny Depp. Colin Farrell was such a great casting, and to see his character transform into Johnny Depp at the end of the first Fantastic Beasts movie was such a letdown. But then, at the end of the trailer, we ended on a high note, because I have to say, that Nicholas Flamel cameo definitely made me laugh out loud.
1: Yes. Yeah. I loved that too.
0: So... Will we see this movie? Of course. Yes.
1: Of course. We were watching this movie before this movie existed.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Iman. I kind of hinted at this before. There's a lot we want to get off our chests about this movie. So let's go into our mini Fantastic Beasts deep dive.
1: Deep. Yes. Sounds good. Um... <laughs> Alright, so let me, you added a great and similar caveat at the start of this by saying we love Harry Potter, we never want to undeservedly disparage Harry Potter. Also, I'll never refuse an opportunity to return to the wizarding world, and I am in all honesty very much looking forward to spending another two blissful hours in it. (laughs) What does excite me most about this movie is exactly what you pointed out, revisiting Hogwarts, seeing Dumbledore teaching, and just rolling around in the nostalgia from the originals. But that said, I wasn't the biggest fan of the first movie. Maybe I need to rewatch it some more, but my sense from that first one has me wary about the second
0: yeah, I don't know if we ever really talked about the first Fantastic Beasts movie in much detail on this podcast, but I think the fact that we never got around to dedicating an episode to it speaks volumes. hmm And I have to say, I think my issue with this movie in particular, or at least what we've seen so far of it in the trailer is that it seems like they took a story that they really wanted to tell, which was Dumbledore's young adult life, something that was described to us in the seventh Harry Potter book, and they shoehorned that into this Fantastic Beasts franchise. It feels forced, and it feels like in this movie in particular, Newt Scamander is more of an afterthought. This feels more like it's supposed to be a Dumbledore movie, and Newt is more like a Forrest Gump character that just happens to be around when all these major things were happening.
1: I think the Forrest Gump point is a great one. I mean, I can't blame them for planting the Grindelwald seed in movie one and having Newt our Forrest Gump character touch on it because it is such a compelling storyline from the books and it left me wanting more. Hmm, Fair point. But now that we're getting to movie two, watching that seed grow and so thoroughly take over movie two makes it feel a little like it's shifting from a Fantastic Beasts movie and into a separate Harry Potter prequel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think I might actually be happier with us going into Harry Potter prequel territory. But one thing I do have a qualm with has to do with its casting. Yeah. I know there's a good chance we'll eventually dedicate an entire episode to this movie once it comes out. And I don't want to linger on this too much, but we've got to talk about Johnny Depp. Because, Iman, there was a time circa 2003, where we would have been overjoyed at the thought of having Johnny Depp, one of our favorite actors, in a Harry Potter movie, but I have to say a lot has changed since then, and I have no idea why he was cast as Grindelwald in the first movie, but It makes even less sense to me why they would keep him as Grindelwald in this second movie. This makes zero sense to me.
1: Oh, seriously, you already introduced the idea of shapeshifting and disguises. Why not just replace him with another actor? (laughs) Yes. All right, let me take us all on a little field trip back to 2004. 5th grader (laughs) Iman, at the peak of her obsession with Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, and Harry Potter Prisoner of Azkaban, would have absolutely lost her mind if you had told her that Johnny Depp was going to show up in the Harry Potter franchise. (laughs) For any of you that didn't know me at the time... I had Johnny Depp blankets, Johnny Depp watches, Jack Sparrow notebook paper, my nickname in sixth grade that my teacher gave me was Giovanna because that's the female version of Johnny in Italian. I was (laughs) absolutely obsessed. Cutouts. Posters. It's... I can't even... Begin to describe what an impact that obsession had on my life. I mean, I think a lot of us can probably say we have a middle school obsession like that. And yeah, to sum it up, mine was Johnny Depp. But it's not 2004 anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think it's our responsibility to reevaluate decisions we've made in the past are you listening, JK Rowling? <laughs> I didn't want to get too political on this podcast, but it's kind of unavoidable. Johnny Depp has been in the news lately for some pretty morally reprehensible things. Mm-hmm. Namely, domestic abuse. And given what a champion for victims of abuse, J.K. Rowling is, both in her Harry Potter books and on Twitter, it feels a little unsettling to have this guy whose reputation has been so tarnished in her franchise. I'm not saying that rests entirely on her shoulders or that it's her responsibility to manage casting, but it's definitely put something of a pall over my impression and excitement for this movie. If, if we were to even ignore all of those allegations, this
0: brings me to point two. Is Johnny Depp even a good actor anymore? Yeah, it's been at least 10 years since we've seen a decent movie from him.
1: We're really going to have him playing against Oscar-winning Eddie Redmayne and Jude Law? (laughs) I mean, come on. Lastly, and this is the least important and definitely most nitpicky of the points that I've made for being so frustrated with this casting, but it kind of doesn't feel canon. Mm -hmm. Grindelwald in the books is supposed to be, what, two years older than Dumbledore? But my guy is out here sporting bowie eyes, a much younger man's haircut, (laughs) and the waxy skin of Nicolas Flamel, the champion of this trailer. (laughs) Oh gosh, yes. Ugh, what a tragedy. I already miss Colin Farrell. I mean, no gotcha reveal at the end of a movie is worth this.
0: Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, I say that's as good of a place to end our little Fantastic Beasts deep dive, but let's go back to our impression of this year's trailers as a whole. Because when I look at them collectively, I see two main takeaways. Number one, in seeing the trailers for Shazam and Aquaman, it seems like DC is finally starting to understand that people don't always want to see dark superhero movies. And I'm really happy to see that they are going a little lighter. I think this is a really smart decision. Marvel has definitely capitalized on this. And it's nice to see them follow suit. Yeah. And then my second observation, and this is a really hot take, and it has to do more with Comic-Con in general. But if Disney is going to continue to withhold Marvel and Lucasfilm productions from participating at Comic-Con and other production companies follow suit by creating their own conventions, it might be a great thing. Because personally, I miss the days when Comic-Con catered to niche audiences and was more about serendipitous discovery, be it in conversation, in line, bumping into B or (laughs) C-list celebrities, or discovering a new TV show you wouldn't otherwise be exposed to. So, if shrinking their access to more popular content means losing some of the less loyal newcomers to Comic-Con, I'm all for it. I agree. Uh, I do think
1: that in this era of cord cutting and Netflix and getting all your entertainment on demand, it makes sense that something like Comic-Con, which used to be this locus and giant collection of different forms of media and entertainment, would start to lose its appeal. Mm -hmm. And if people start skipping Comic-Con to go to these fun niche conventions i think for us san diego natives that want comic-con to maybe have a little bit of stunted growth i think it'd be a good thing
0: yeah we just want it to go back to how it used to be
1: (laughs) oh gosh make comic-con great
0: again are we (laughs) those people i think so oh gosh okay well I think that does it for this episode of Screensaver.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. Cut the mics. We've gone the MAGA route. We're
0: definitely getting really old, and I think it's showing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, well, I think that does it for this episode of Screensaver. For those of you listening out there, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us on Comic-Con in general or these trailers, let us know. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreensaverPod and like our Facebook page and our Instagram page, Screensaver Podcast. As always, you can find other episodes of Screensaver on iTunes. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, Iman.
1: Bye, Carla. Billy Batson, a foster kid who works as a radio news reporter at his school, is chosen to be a champion of good. He's a champion of good. (laughs) Little little Parks and Rec reference for you. Anyway, is chosen... Cut it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's going to be in the end, isn't it? Okay.